Hey, real estate investors, if you've been enjoying this show for a while or enjoying this content at all, then I'm sure you're going to want to know that we have a mastermind for kingdom-minded real estate investors uh, with folks from all over the country. If you're wondering what is a mastermind, this is a community that we began back in 2020 uh, to really serve faith-minded investors, those who were ambitious in the world of real estate and entrepreneurship, but also passionate about Christ and really wanted a place, an environment, a community uh, where we could really join force, join forces and lock arms with people who are like-minded to really flourish in both of those areas. We also have a ton of fun when we meet in places like Dallas, Orlando, San Diego throughout the year. And so I would love to be able to share with you more details on that. If you go to thekingdomrei.com, that's thekingdomrei.com, you can learn more about our mastermind, hear from our members, and then apply to be a part of this community and give us an opportunity to chat more and see if it's a good fit. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Kingdom REI podcast. This is your host, Ellis Hammond, founder of the Kingdom REI Mastermind, and got another mastermind brother on the call with me today, an incredible entrepreneur. He's been in this real estate game for a really long time of constantly, constantly learning from this guy, and he just never stops growing. He just pivoted. Um, his company, he's, he's doing some really cool things and raising a fund in the world of multifamily. He's a managing principal of Legacy Acquisitions um, and just an incredible man of God. And, and, and I think also is just really growing his mindset and framework around being a, a kingdom entrepreneur and a kingdom investor. And so i uh, really, really excited to introduce you all to my friend, my brother, um, former fellow mastermind member, Andy McMullen. What's up, man? What's going on, Ellis? Man, so excited to be here, man. I appreciate you uh, giving me the call. I've been uh, looking forward to this for a long time. Another another California, another Southern California. Let's talk about that real quick. You got plans to leave or is this his home, man? I mean, everybody's leaving Southern <laughs> oh, California. Man. What's what's your quick take? My two buds just left. One Texas, one Idaho. Man, I, you know, we've got roots here or we be outie right? Like we've got roots and we've got the sun and that's about it. I mean, our investors are taking us out and looking at other markets. This place is crazy, man. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in LA. I grew up, you know, I went to college in LA. A lot of my friendships are here. And if it wasn't for them and the roots of the family, uh, we'd be gone, man. This place is crazy. So well, I don't know how what, you feel what, about it. What, what, are like, what are the factors for you? I mean, okay, I see what keeps you here and that's hard to leave, right? But like, for those of you maybe who don't live in California, what would be the things that really push you from from moving, like push you to leave here? Well, so so here's the thing. There's, it's so unpredictable this place, right? So we uh, had bought a lot of property in Central and Southern California, and, you know, over the last you know four or five six years, and you know when rent control was enacted, it changed the game, right? And so we had voted it down. California as a state had voted rent control down and it was unilaterally enacted by our governor. Right. And so the, the investors are just like, Hey, so what's keeping us from prop 15 or 21, which were both voted down, which basically just kind of tightened even more, you know, wrapped the loose a little bit tighter on the, on the investors and, and uh, operators and developers. And I think that there's just this hubris, in California, you know, uh, who was it? I think it was uh, Gonzalez, Elena Gonzalez. She's an assemblywoman, and she says, "F Elon Musk and his thirty-six thousand, you know, families." Right? I mean, 
Come on, man. Like, I'm not defending Elon Musk, right? He's got his own thing. But but there's like a hubris here in California. You need us more than we need them. So I think that's why people are out of here. It's just – yeah. And, and plus, our investor pool is really di- dictating that, right? You know, they yeah. want to continue investing in Southern and Central California, so – yeah, I get it, man. No, I mean, you know, it's it's definitely, and I think as, you know, especially if you're leading a big business, like a guy like you, Elon, and you got employees, and you're thinking about affordability and salaries, that becomes even more important, you know, and like where you're living and where you're, where you're providing that for people. And so definitely something to think about for us too, is we're thinking about building our company. Where do we want to build, establish ourselves? So it definitely has been on the conversation, but man, it's tough. When I look out my window, I can see the ocean, you know, we live now, we can see, we look over San Diego Bay. So, you know, it's January and we're out walking in the dog in the park, man. It's, it's, uh, it's tough, but, uh, anyways, um, well, Hey, let's get in today. I'm, I'm really looking, I think our audience is going to love just hearing your journey, man, because you've been doing this a long time your faith journey, your real estate journey, uh, and just even the things you've been learning as of recent and, and what you're doing on the social media side. I mean, you're just, you're just, what I love about you, man, what I'm excited to get into today is like, you are a growth-minded person and you're constantly growing, you're constantly learning, you're constantly looking for better ways to improve yourself, your business, uh, you know, what you're going to do for your investors. So there's so much here. And so let me just pray for us and then we can get in uh, no, I have no idea where this is gonna go, but I got, I got, I got good, good feelings about this one. So Lord, thank you, thanks for Andy, thanks for our friendship, thanks for what I learned from him, and just see so much of your spirit alive in him. And uh, pray for today in this conversation that it would bless our audience, that it would encourage and challenge all of us to want to be excellent in all that we do for your name's sake, Christ. And so we love you. We pray just in Christ's name, Amen. Amen. So. Andy, how long have you been in the world of did you do anything before real estate before you started buying multifamily property? Well, I, I was I was in the game right out of college. So basically by the luck of the draw, I had a friend who was at this small private boutique real estate firm and I got started kind of on the brokerage side, low man on the deal team. But we had everything there. We had acquisition guys, we had property managers, we had asset managers. And so I got a chance to kind of just play in the game and learn. Um, But I was probably a week away from like moving away, taking a consulting job or, you know, selling gallon wine. I mean, I like I had I had options, but at that time was the late 90s. There wasn't a ton, a ton of options. So uh, I thought I love business. I love real estate, but I always kind of thought it was inaccessible to me. Right. So when I got there, man, I was. I was happy. And of course it's accessible because basically they put you on a draw. And then after four months, they say, Hey buddy, sink or swim and you're on your own. So that's kind of how I got started in the, in the game more on the brokerage side. And that was like office buildings, industrial buildings, you know, some retail. Um, so that's kind of how I got started in the game. That was about 20 years ago, man. And then how'd you, like, what was the pivot? Cause then you started buying, you started buying property in California, Riverside yeah. area and different things like that. Like what was the, you know what what spurred that and and what was the i guess what was the opportunity there at that point at that time yeah so i kind of you know as i as i kind of and your listeners will see this theme right that you kind of take a couple steps forward a couple steps back um i kind of flailed for a little while and you know i had some success early on in the brokerage business and i kind of flailed and then i got connected with this developer in venice beach and man that's where i kind of learned where true leadership what that looked like, you know, where somebody who's running a business 
that's building out, uh, you know, live work multifamily projects. So that's kind of how I got started. He left us with a really sudden uh, glioblastoma about, you know, 2010, 2011. And then we just kind of started to, you know, as best we could take on the mantle. Um, he had taught a ton and he leaned on me for a ton. So by then I felt like I was ready. And that's kind of when we started buying some multifamily and live work properties in and around California, some in outside of California. I got leveled in Texas on a, a syndication deal that I had, but that's kind of how I got got started in the game man. just a, a a guide i guess you would say what do you mean you got leveled i never heard that story oh man level so i you know a lot of kind of what <laughs> we, so good. We i are. never knew this i can't wait to hear this oh, man. You know, i can't like, wait to hear you about your pain <laughs> oh man um you know duke our friend good friend dugan always says hey man we're all really just broken down pieces of you know you know what so so i i started to think that i was uh i was getting pretty good at this and back then they were kind of giving, you know, loans out like Tic Tacs. And I said, oh, okay, I'm going to go buy this uh, mixed use property in Dallas with a couple of partners. So I kind of put this syndication together. Um, I had known enough about kind of the brokerage and, and doing some deals as, you know, a partnership. And man, like if you listen to podcasts now about all of the not to do's, that's it. We could do everything. I, like I could teach a whole course on what I did wrong in that deal, man. Uh First off, you know, arrogance, right? So that gets you, you, you think you know way more than you do. I was going into Texas as the California, so I didn't realize they hated me anyways <laughs> because I'm from California and they think that the, the hubris in Texas is a little bit more than California, man. <laughs> you go on any of those old capital conferences, you'll see that, man. I was like, only I should be able to talk about California this way. Yeah. Uh, but uh, then, I, then the property management, that, that I had thought was that I thought was in place. We kind of did probably, a, I thought it was enough due diligence, but it obviously wasn't. We kind of thought that our property was a little bit better than it was. And what we didn't realize is no one really cared about this property, right? And the brokers weren't going to come and help us with this property because we, you know, we'd have to pay big bonuses. The other big thing that, that I didn't pay attention to, we had a large tenant, uh, Texas car title, and they would basically loan people, you know, who needed it, really didn't have money. They would, you know, they would, they would sign off on their car and they'd give them a loan. Well, about two years into it, basically Texas said, hey, look, this is predatory lending. They shut them down. So now we've got 4,000 feet of our property that's basically just sitting there. And we've got no wow. alternative options, right? So, so, you know what, we got out okay. Um, I, what, I, what I learned to that, you know, a, a couple of things about the communication um, is there's so many things like a little monster, right? If you kill that little monster before it becomes a big monster, right? There's, you know, with your investors or with your property manager, you have these conversations early on that I just didn't have, um, partly because I didn't know and partly because I thought that I knew way more than I did. Right. So. Right. We could go on. All, maybe that's another episode, man. I could break wow. that down. That's good. That's good to hear, though, man. No, that's good to hear. I think for anyone listening, I, I do think that's right on. And, and that's why it, it really does pay to either partner or come alongside experienced investors. You know, guys want to get into this game quick. But, man, you can easily make a $250,000 mistake in this game, you know. And, I mean, that's easy to do when you're buying a $5, 6000000 million deal. And so... um no, I think that's really good wisdom. 
for well, sure. I think, and I think the other thing is the people that I had with me on this as my kind of partners, you know, were, were well-versed in business, right? One was an RIA, right? And so he, he managed billions of dollars, right? And he was taking over the books. Well, by his own demons, I wasn't keeping my eye on that part of the business. I was kind of running the operations, managing the managers, kind of putting all the, the acquisition together, all the deal pieces. He's managing the money. So if he's managing the money and you're not in control and you have no idea what he's doing, he ended up uh, he ended up feeling the pressure of his other business and ultimately killed himself. And yeah. after the deal was done, after after he he had uh, killed himself, we found out that he had been taken from some of his clients' money, and as a result, the money that we had thought for our building was not there. And in fact, he had basically. Uh, put our property into a fund for one of his other clients. So by the time, I'm not kidding. This is all, you can look it up. It's all well-documented, man. Put it into a fund. So our building belongs to some other entity. So now they're coming after us. They so didn't even know that so we this is, this is, this is gone. This is gone nuts. This is like real estate gone wild. Let me, so here's my only, so here's my last question on this. Like, how do you, this, cause this is a great learning point for everyone listening. How do you recover from something like that? Like, that's enough for most people to be like, well, I'll go work at W2. You know, like, I'm never yeah. going to recover from this. Like, how do you recover from that? Yeah, man. Uh, I think about those two years just basically with the attorneys and with my partner and the, the relationships that I kind of had to, you know, the tightrope that you had to walk, right? It's pain, right? But there was other things that were going well in my life at the time, right? That's the kind of thing about story, right? As we think about all of these just getting leveled, but I have my wife, I got my baby, I got my kids, I've got still me, right? I've got people that believe in me and I can't let the other investors down. Mm -hmm. And, and there is no other way out of this thing, right? You, you've read the book obstacle is the way that's, that's the way. So, um, you know, we did end up getting out of the property. We did end up uh, agreeing with the entity that thought they owned the property. They realized that we had nothing to do with it. Um, and, you know, a lot of attorney's fees, man. I mean, we're paying for a long time. So it was a, uh, a probably a probably a net loss, but it could have been a lot worse, right? Yeah. And, it, and, and it was a, a net loss, I say, in the time and the pain that it, that created, you know, we ended up getting some money, that some of that money back. Well, but, but yeah, man, that, that's, that's one of those things where the reason I, 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 the reason that we set up our fund, the way that we set up our fund and the operators that we've invested with now are a direct result of some of those experiences that we've had. 100%. Right? Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, so let's, let's get into this. So, I mean, there's so much here, man, today, but I do think getting into this fund and what you're doing and why you're doing this is really interesting and in how you're setting it up. And so. I think anyone who's a real estate entrepreneur, operator, by the way, like this is why we have a mastermind because we can learn from each other. I mean, this is, and we launched a fund, Andy Lyman, there's several guys in our, in our mastermind launching funds right now, just because we're, we're learning, it's compelling, we're figuring out better best practices. So let's kind of mastermind this together, man, give people an idea, a taste of kind of what we do together on a regular basis. So, you know, why'd you set this up? Maybe what, 
what what's this really look like? What's the I mean, overall? Let's let's go there so we get an idea. And I want to ask you some questions about best practices on this fund. What is That's it? Fun, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's a a pledge fund. So basically what that means is that we invest in best in class operators amongst storage, multifamily and mobile home parks. That's that's our asset class. So we want to be able to deliver our investors the best investor experience along amongst those asset classes with the best operators. We're really basically we're market agnostic. I mean, we're going to stay out of California. Um, there's some other areas in the Northeast that we, that we probably won't go, but for the most part, we're following the jockey. And so, um, here's the thing, Ellison, I'm sure you've seen it in your, in your career already. It's rare to have an operator that can find the deal that can execute the deal that can, uh, exit the deal and also deliver the investor experience, right? Because that's, that's the last thing I wanted to do. This last thing most people want to do is on a Sunday is write an email that summarizes where the deal is, right? And communicate to the investors. That's because they know most of them aren't gonna read it and they know that none of them know as much as they do, right? So add the other layer to it, operators that are actually doing good for the communities, right? So Apartment Life, we talked about, we the last deal that we did in North Carolina, apartment, uh, partnership with Apartment Life, helping build out this community, transform the communities. So all of those factors are rare. And that's part of the reason that if you ask passive investors, how many of them would invest again with an operator? It's like 60%, right? I mean, that's a D on a test. That's, 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 that's a, a, you know, so where we try to go is finding those operators and those communities that we know that we can help. And so that's kind of, that was the impetus of the fund. So you, so let's talk through this kind of setup. So you're, I like that you're following the jockey. So you're vetting out good people, good sponsors. I mean, how, how are you making this work? Like, so you're raising the money and you're coming in as a general partner on this deal. Is that what your fund is doing? Yeah, typically we are a general partner. So we've got to be, uh, you know, on the board, manage the asset, right? As you know, with SEC rules, you can't just be a money raiser. That might change this year. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. Uh, we're going to crush it if it does, too. Yeah, I mean, we're going to create the Keller Williams of uh, money raisers. Yeah, right? we that really are. Me. We're going to do – listen, <laughs> if that changes and you're not in this mastermind, I, I was at this table last night. It's hilarious. guy by the name of Kent Clothier. He's one of the biggest single-family yeah. flippers, holders in the country, and he said this quote. He said, he said, if you're not sitting at the table, he said, your AWS is on the menu. And I thought that was hilarious, man. So listen, don't be on the menu this year, everyone. If things change in the SEC and you're not around a community that knows what's happening, you're behind us on the menu. Andy and I got big plans. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So, 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 yeah, so that's, that's kind of basically, you know, that, that's kind of basically it. Um, and, and what we try to do is lend our experience. You know, I, just as recent as last year, we were sponsor operator on a lot of these deals and we were investing as LPs in other deals. But what we learned is that there was guys that were just talented finding the deal, even executing the strategy, maybe even getting us out with a decent exit. But the cruise along the way was just, it, it was terrible for our investors. And that falls on us, right? That's not, that's not yeah. the operator's job to communicate with the investor. So if you're not getting, so now we've got these certain controls that we put in place. So let me ask you this. So you got this. So is it an open fund? And how do you have one fund that can invest with multiple sponsors? Walk me through the structure of that. And then how 
you distinguish that between if I come in in May versus I come in in October as an investor? Yeah. So it, a traditional fund would be, you know, we basically got all those operators, all those deals. Whenever you come in, you're in that fund, whatever, you know, property A is producing at 20%, property B is producing at 10 you're basically, you're mixed in between those, those two right. properties, a traditional fund, right? And then there's kind of the deal by deal fund where people are kind of coming in deal by deal. It depends on what point you invested in the property. Ours is kind of a mesh of both. So it's a closed end, one year, $10 million fund, right? And so we've raised about half of that or so. $10 million fund, you come in for one deal, and the second deal, you got to put your pledge down if you want to hold your spot. So you put 10% of that, you know, let's say it's a million dollar, whatever it is, your investment that you want. And let's say you hate, let's say you hate Texas or you hate storage. You can sit that deal out. So that makes it much more intense from a managing perspective. We've got to manage when each person came in and what particular deal they're investing in. Um, but that for 10 years, we're raising the money and then we've got to manage that fund for as long as we're in a deal. So we're in a deal that's now 10 years. So that, that's kind of how that's so, so basically to answer your question, there's gotta be some systems in place when you're handling people's money. And so we use an investment portal and we got to know. So they can, they can bring in 10%. So if they come and say, I want to reserve a spot in this fund, they put in a hundred K if they want to put in a million bucks, let's say. And then that hundred k sits there until they until you bring the right opportunity, and then they bring in the other nine hundred. That's right. That's exactly right. And so if they say, well, "I want to get off the bus," you know, they can either keep their spot in for the next particular well, opportunity. Or yeah. Well, let me ask you this: How do you actually incentivize them to put that ten percent down? Right? Because if 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 it's just like, "Hey, I'm just gonna I'm gonna why not Why would I give you a hundred k now if I'm not gonna invest until?" six months from now, right? How, how I'm curious from a sales yeah, yeah, point, yeah, yeah. Because, because sales it, point, how it, are you marketing that and getting people in? Because it's, it's look, we've only got a finite amount of money that we can raise, right? So if we're already halfway there and you've seen the opportunities that we've got in our fund and you like those returns, yeah, you could sit it out, wait for fund number two, right? Or if you like what we're doing and you like the idea of having diverse, diversified assets with op, the best in class operators, it's probably a good idea for you to get in your money. Um, now, that doesn't mean, Ellis, that people are putting in their money without us having consistent deal flow, right? We've got to have deal flow. So it's not like people are putting in their money for eight months or nine months. We're right. talking about, you know, 30 days, right? Right. So. Right. Interesting. Well, um, and you guys, are, you, your, your fund is a, a feeder fund, right? That's kind of how you guys, you guys are investing in in the jockey yeah amongst exactly. multiple assets right yeah but it's one it's one jockey it's one business plan you know if you don't like it there's no other option for you you know like right you're either with us on this one or you know you're not right, <laughs> so right, exactly. interesting that is because that is pretty intense on what you're doing uh man i had a good question it totally slipped my mind on this um all right, interesting, interesting, interesting. So you uh that's what happens, man. I want to interview you. I know, and then man. You lose your, your train of thought. I got you know? so many like, questions for you on this. I'm I, I'm actually really curious to hear some of the things you're doing on this because I think it can really help me too. <laughs> um so on the so you have the portal, so that makes this really friendly for investors to come in and kind of get access and and 
and you're that's how you can kind of control a lot of this too yeah absolutely so we, we know exactly when they came in we know exactly what the, what asset they're in we know exactly the amount you know all of that is basically automated now it does take some work and getting it set up right i'm not i'm not saying like any process does right um but 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 now we've got it to that to that point where we can manage the investors so we're invested as Dreamvest Fund or Legacy Fund, whatever that is, right. in their deal. The only person they answer to is the fund managers. And let me ask you this: do you, do you do, do you carve out like okay, I'm at, you're getting paid because you're on the GP side of the thing, right? So you're getting part of the acquisition fee, part of the management fee, et cetera. Do you carve out any type of discount for bringing in a large chunk of that for your investors, so they're getting a better return with you guys? Like, I'm always curious: how do you create? like exclusivity for your fund versus them just going investing with the jockey personally, right? What's yeah. the, what do you do there? So if they're investing with, if, 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 if somebody is investing with the jockey directly and it's, you know, $25,000 or $50,000 or something like that, whatever, you know, and, and they prefer to go directly with the jockey, that's fine. But these are our investors. Mostly these are people that have been investing in deals with us. But yeah. to answer your question, yeah, we're always, negotiating a certain capacity because of our capacity, because we right. can raise five to 7 million. Maybe we only do a couple million on the first deal with an operator. We can negotiate more GP than somebody who might be a money raiser for 500,000, right? Because it's valuable if somebody can bring in 1 million, 2 million and they can count on it. Um, now, the other thing that we do, which is interesting um, and a lot of people uh, even on this last deal decided to take us up on it is we want to grow this fund faster, right? As you know, I'm just about growth, growth, growth. So we want to grow this fund faster. So let's figure out a way to bring in other people that are raising money and that want to be involved. And let's give them, because we've already negotiated a chunk of the GP, let's give them a slice of the GP that we've negotiated because they also have relationships and they also have investors. And instead of giving them a small slice, let's give them a big slice because that means that our capacity can grow even faster. And so now we've got additional people on our team through the management agreement that can raise money, be on the weekly meetings, the monthly meetings, and and learn from what we're doing. So that just kind of grows our pie faster. Let me so I, I figured out my question. I want to ask this before I forget. In terms of how do we solve, and, and is there a way your fund could do this since you're doing multiple ways for to make this type of investing a little bit more liquid for investors so they're not in the deal for 10 years can you because you're doing multiple projects is there a way to trade out of their position at year three let's say and and if not is there a way to figure that out like have you thought about that and what you're doing yeah i mean and and so i've been in funds you know maybe not leading funds been involved and and there's always opportunities for people to get out um usually it's you know, the fund, we could buy them out of their position or there's usually kind of, you put it up for, for, you know, 90 days, as long as you give a certain amount of notice, usually somebody else will pick it up in the community. So, um, I mean, there's sometimes there's a fee depending on when it is that you need to take that money out, but, but usually there's a, uh, usually there's a redemptive period, you know, where you can, where you can get money out of it. Um, and the bigger position, and then we would have language in there. I think we've got language depending on the amount of the position. There's a certain timeline that you gotta, you know, you gotta give. Right. Okay. Um, last question on this: as a passive investor, for those who are listening who are interested in investing, what is the 
one thing that gets you really excited about working with a sponsor. It's almost like, oh man, this is someone I really want to work with. And then what's the one like heck no, <laughs> like I gotta, I gotta I'm definitely not investing with this person. What, what on both sides? What is what is the one thing? So we got time for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do people care about funds, man? I don't know. I mean, that, that, you, this is your audience. Our audience does. Yeah, we got a lot okay, of okay. entrepreneurs, right, good, a lot of good. guys who want to get in this industry or are that's already good, in this industry, and. I want people to be a part of this mastermind. So I want to get this to folks who are really serious about growing their business because this is the type of stuff that we talk about. And um, so, yeah, this is going to be okay. So, so operator, if you're out there and you're getting in the first meeting with me and my partners and we ask you about some of your failures, please don't tell me you don't have any. Please don't tell me any. Because if you don't, if you don't have any, then you probably haven't had a whole lot of success, man. I want to hear about how you were leveled because I want to hear how you got through it like how did you figure out a way to bring this back around did you pay off your investors did you get them in in another deal um please don't tell me that you got all everything buttoned up because i know that's not true i've been in the business for 20 years right so so transparency the other thing else is if if i see a deal and it's underwritten with an operator and it has these kinds of tricks that everybody knows on the underwriting you know, whether it's on the, the exit cap or whether it's on the increases or whether it's on, you know, taking a, a research report from the most aggressive research report, whatever it is, like that's a sign that probably we're going to have some problems going on because that, that means that they, they're not completely transparent about everything that can go wrong with the deal. So that's the, those are the kinds of operators that I like. But the thing that gets me, the, the thing that really juices me, you asked me about, is what are they doing for that community? Like, are they buying stuff that a, a, a previous owner had that had like a broke down, you know, playground and, you know, a pond that, that, that used to be a pool, right? All those things that they're transforming. And then they're additionally partnering up with apartment life. Oh, man, that, that's like, that's when we really get charged because that's what we're in it here for. These are, these are people's homes. So from the kingdom perspective, those are the things that we we got to think about now everybody in my organization isn't a believer everybody that we partner up isn't a believer even the organizations that may be charities that we'd want to partner up they don't necessarily have to be but they've got to be a faith and they've got to be doing good and so that's kind of what gets me charged that's i know great. that's a longer answer no but. that's good that's good I, that's helpful man that's helpful every investment has an impact and you can decide you know what your bottom line is going to be and we talk about this all the time on the show, man, is if you're just investing for return on money, I'm not saying you're doing evil because I got plenty of investments like that, but you're missing out. I mean, it's my point. You know what I'm saying? There's just so many ways to make a great return, double, triple your money over the next five or six years and transform people's lives. And so I mean, you could make the case of apartment life that. without even the faith bait, without doing good. That that's good for your business, right? The sticky tenants, community is good for your business. They'll stay longer. They'll they'll write reviews about it. Even if you want to take away that part of it, but isn't that the the fuel though? Like when you're thinking about it long term, like I'm actually able to get out of my own way. Like I've got my own stuff to deal with figure out a way to help the other people. Right. Then I don't have to deal with my own stuff. Yeah. Right. I get to, I get to, I get to help other people. That's, that's the, that's the kind of, you know, Andy. Anyway. All right. So I got, I got, oh, man, we only got 20 minutes. We got 20 get, minutes. We got to get going. So, um, yeah, you know, people only listen to this when they're working out and nobody works out longer than an hour. So we gotta, <laughs> we gotta wrap this thing up. Man. So 
I got two questions for you. We're going to say I got a big question, spiritual question I'm going to say for the end. So just hold on, everybody. The next question is this, though. Um, you've been in this industry 20 years. You're you're older than me. I'm not going to call you old yet, but let's just call oh, you a veteran, okay? Oh, let's just say you're, you, you've been doing this for a while, you yeah. know? And most people... How do I say that? Listen, everybody, Andy's youthful. He's a youthful guy, but let me, hear me out on this. You've been in this a while. Most people at your stage, when it comes to social media or when it comes to technology and all these things, are kind of like, ah, that's for the young people. Uh, that's, I, you know, I never did it like this for 20 years. I'm not going to do it like this now. That's not what you've been doing, man. I see you freaking everywhere. You're on social media. You're growing your presence. Talk to me about why, like how this is part of your strategy, why it's important. And just like, if there's someone listening who's in that mindset, they're older, they've been in this game for a long time, maybe it's real estate, maybe it's something else, like ways for them to really step in and start getting, you know, what's this doing for your business and how other people can get in? Man, yeah, I I was like an old head, probably maybe, but before I met you, right? I mean, I started, I was at, I was going to meetups. Um, I think I met you originally at a meetup. Yeah. I taught Andy everything he knows. And you really did. I think, (laughs) I think at the beginning of COVID, if I remember, you did a a LinkedIn presentation that I was on and I was kind of on LinkedIn. I wasn't really on LinkedIn. And I understood that definitely having a presence is important for the business but for me it was a distraction right other people can do that i need to run the business i need to figure out the way to make sure we're executing on the strategy and the deal and all the rest of it but that that's not what gives me the most the, the most energy is through other people right so when covid hit i was like hey i can control two things right what i learn now and how we're how we're kind of um, how we're going to be staying ready for when this thing opens back up. And the only way that we can stay ready is through relationships. That, I mean, that's the name of the game. So for me, the best platform to do that was meetups and LinkedIn. I was reluctant to be on podcasts for the longest time, man. And I think that you've really been the one that's pushed me is that I've got to get, I've got to get us out there. I've got to get the exposure out there. And so I was kind of a reluctant, uh, because I don't want to make it about me. I want to make it about the organization, but that's the best way to make it about the organization, right? Is that's the only way that's going to basically tether me to our organization. So that's, that's kind of why I started to lean in on social media and LinkedIn and creating posts and figuring out what's the best way to add value to people. And the best way I can add value to people is for them to know me. I love that, man. I love that. You're talking about, yeah, I mean, you want to grow your, your brand, your business. You got, it really comes down to you, your story, who's, you know, you're really attracting what's happening in the, in your, in your company. So, um, you're coming to the workshop we're doing in February, right? The story branding workshop. Absolutely, man. Um, I've been reading that book too, with the the book club uh, that we're in and, um, Don Miller. Yeah, Don Miller. I mean, that's so powerful, right? I mean, I, I, seeing that and hearing you, you kind of talk about it. I think you had one of the best presentations. I believe it was drones. Uh, I'm doing it again. The MFI and Summit this this week, actually. Are you on story? Yeah, Yeah, on story. And I, I had never thought about that way, but but there is a formula to it, and it makes sense. And understanding 
that our client that, that, that they're the hero in it and figuring yeah. out that's basically transforms everything that we do yep. right it doesn't 100%. need to be bragging about what we're doing is how do we how do we serve as you say how do we help those people that need us listen if you want to if you're listening to this you you're you want to you're black andy and you need, you need help social media your story figuring out how to really break in this market really stand out differentiate yourself we are doing a two-day workshop in san diego you got to be there it's two thousand dollars um and that just means there's going to be some real serious business entrepreneurs in the room and so if you're you want to be a part of that the kingdomrei.com forward slash events dash scale or just email me ellis at kingdomcapitalist.co and um we'll get you signed up for that it's gonna be an awesome event man i can't wait there's gonna be some some great people in that room so hey let me ask you this man we'll, we'll wrap up here soon do you love God, bro? Oh, you know I love God, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, man. I mean, he's uh, he, he informs everything that I do, right? Um, well, so. I mean, but here's the thing, man. You've, I, you know, I'm, I'm curious. You know, it's interesting when I first met you. I wasn't really, sh you know, it took us a while to get warmed up, man. I, I don't know, like I kind of met you one. I was like, is this guy just coming into our to our breakfast meeting, like to steal investors. Like, what's he? What's his play here? <laughs> you know. And then, like, we sat down for lunch and talked about the mastermind, and you weren't really like all about it then. And um, so I'm just curious, man. Like, where did your faith? And it seems like though, and the reason I say that is because actually, man, I've been more encouraged and blessed by your personal journey with God and your faith. And your hunger to know him and, and really build your business around kingdom principles probably more than anyone else in the mastermind so what's is there something that's going on recent that's really spurred that or has it been longer than that kind of give me the inside scoop yeah no i think you know I heard, and I heard a great pod that you did with uh todd dex yeah dexheimer yeah and, yeah and uh i think i struggled with a lot of the same kind of reluctant you know, I've always had to kind of shelf my ambition at church and, and shelf my faith at work, right? And I, I kind of grew up in a, you know, very kind of secular area of LA. Um, but, and, and my, my, my journey, you know, from Catholicism as a young boy was, it was more of a transactional relationship with God, right? It was more, hey, it's good deeds, right? That's going to get you there. It's, it's and that's that's you can never you can never you're you're, you're never going to be satisfied right um and so over time i kind of evolved through my then you know girlfriend who now my wife and their family and really just digging into reading like that was my like i didn't have like them where i kind of had they had like a spiritual a real spirituality feeling to them right they were they were they were driven mine was was much more intellectual i wanted to understand you know what what is what does timothy Ke uh, keller say about you know uh defending the faith and what's logical what, what's a logical relationship with god and so i kind of leaned in more to the idea that hey look this is me and 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 people are going to hate you anyway so why not do the right thing right this why do i need to hide this part of me so the the kind of growth that you've seen is my ability now to lean into that and know that you know if i think about all of the things that are that got me here um would i trade all of those uh failures right and you think about that with 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 god and suffering right is we don't know what 
his will is. And I'm, I'm, I'm right in the middle of it with my, my sister-in-law, who's probably more responsible for really bringing me closer to, to God and faith than, 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 than anyone. Um, obviously my wife more so. Um, but that we, that we, we think about these things with suffering and we just, we, we can't know. But when we look back on our own life and we think about all those things that got us here and we know where we were before we found him, would we trade all of those? Would we trade all of those failures now to go back to that place where we knew we were walking down some road? And for me, it was uh, alcohol. Uh, drugs. Uh, um, I remember holding my my baby who died on the the, the day of uh, her birth. Um, my 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 second, my third girl, Holly. And I remember having these these uh, why did you abandon me conversations when I was broken, when I was in debt, right? And I think about all those things, but would I trade them now for where I am in my relationship with him? And of course, you wouldn't. Right. Of course, you wouldn't wouldn't trade that pain and that angst and all of that for where you are in your relationship. With him. So. I know this is going to run long, but I have to say this. My sister in law, who's in has stage four cancer, and she's probably going to be so angry that I'm even talking about it. And she's probably the closest uh, person to my son on Earth. Right. And her faith is so strong that she's ready to go. If, if, that's, if that's his will, she's ready. Um, and she's never wavered, right? And we all think about where we are in our life. Have we ever wavered? And she's so confident. This will not be hard on her. She's going to be seated next to him if, this, if that's his will. It's all of us who still have to suffer, right? And the way that we deal with the suffer is we, the way I deal with the suffering is I pick up this book. And so that when I'm going throughout my day, I have these, what our friend calls God thoughts. It's not a spirituality, but I know intellectually whether that's the right thing for me or where that, whether that's the right relationship for me, et cetera. So it informs everything that I, that I do. I've just never been very comfortable communicating about it until I met this community, right? I was, I was one guy who still read the Bible, still go to church, have these conversations with my faith. But I didn't know there was kingdom capitalists out there. I know that sounds crazy, right? There, of course there is. But one thing that COVID has brought us, if nothing else, is that sense that we need community. We know what God wanted for us, right, was to be in a community. And we're not on our own. We can't figure out all of these things on our own. We need other people to help guide us through. So anyways, you probably have to cut a lot of it because there was maybe, uh, you know, maybe we went over. But, but, but to answer your question, I've just felt more comfortable being me um, more recently. Yeah, I'm not cutting any of that, bro. That was awesome. Love that. You actually shared a lot there I didn't even know about you. So man, I don't know if you know everything you just, you might need to go back and listen to that. You see, but that was incredible, man. Um, wow, that's that's powerful. I, uh, I see that and I've seen that being fleshed out, man. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. Love having you part of this community, man. It's been a blessing, and you, you know, you continue to lead us just from your vulnerability and your humility to really want to learn and grow. So, so thank you. Anyone who is on the fence, man, I, I 
there might be several folks who've either thought about this mastermind or heard me talk about it many times, still on the fence and trying to find a community like this, you know, just get, give them one kind of your final last words for, for maybe this mastermind in particular, Kingdom Maria and what we're doing. If, if you, if you were going to pick a group of people to mastermind with, you would want some, you would want people that were ambitious that we're growing, that we're doing it in service of the right things um, and that we're helping each other, right? And so there isn't one person in our mastermind that wouldn't pick up the phone if they hear this, they'll probably call me like, what are you doing, man? But but there's, there's so much opportunity for us to do more, to build this kingdom together. And if you're doing it on your own, great. But this is informing everything that we do. And imagine how powerful that is if that, is kind of your operating system. And that's what this mastermind is. It's for his kingdom. None of this belongs to us anyway. So so why are we being the best stewards of, of, of his kingdom? Yeah. And talk about doing life together. Like I think you and I are on a phone call tomorrow morning or Thursday morning, 6.30 a.m. You know what I mean? Like just, yeah. just getting getting together. So um, I mean, And think about the people that are on that call, right? I didn't know those people that are on that call, but we're talking about, a developer we're talking about another syndicator we're talking about a fund man i mean we're talking about people that are doing things in service of him that i had no idea were out there yeah and and i know those, that sounds naive but but i didn't i didn't know those people were out there well and not only so that and then you think about that group that's on that call thursday morning there's going to be about 70 million dollars deployed in real estate through the four people on that call yeah, in yeah. 2021 like that's pretty powerful, man, to be – and that's four people out of the 25. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like yeah. that's um, that's what I'm talking about. Well, look, Andy, golly, man, what a powerful episode. I This has been awesome. It's fun. I told you I'd wake up. Andy was picking up this morning. He was like, you okay, <laughs> dude? Man. He's like, you all right? I'm like, listen, man, I had a late night last night, so I'm I'm still picking up. But I'm 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 awoke, man. I'm ready to go. This is this fired me up for today, and so thank you. Um. There's so much I'm sure people want to reach out to you about your fund if they're wanting they're looking to invest or even questions about this. How can they get a hold of you? What's kind of the best place to go? I mean, LinkedIn guys, Andy's Andy's there. So if you're not on LinkedIn, man, go screenshot this episode, share it, tag Andy and I. We'd love to hear your feedback and answer questions in a maybe you can start your own thread on LinkedIn and, and get some interaction there. But how else can they reach you, Andy? Yeah, uh, I would have them check out our site, uh, Legacy. L A L E G A C Y A X for leg.com, legacyax.com. And then uh, feel free to email me as well, Andy at legacyax.com. I'd love to talk to, I'd love to talk to people who listen to this episode. Um, you probably know more about it. Anybody else? <laughs> Straight up, yeah. This is great, man. That's why you know. That's why I love doing a podcast. People, you know, I start asking questions. This is my pastoral thing. This is my pastor coming at me, man. I, I bring out the, I bring out the best, the worst, the most vulnerable. I feel like so. I, I, I really love. But it, that's man. it, right? I mean, that's like we're all broken down pieces at yeah. best, as 100%. our friend says, right? So, but, you know, when you're talking about him, you know, it all comes out. Because he knows it all, right? That's yeah, it. 100%. So. That's why you mentioned Todd's episode. I think Todd and I were like crying together on the on the, on the show, on the episode. So um, anyways, man. Well, Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for this to go live. Everyone, thank you for listening. Um, if you're if you're serious about this mastermind, you, you took this, I, I do want to give you an action step for that as well. Email me. That's the best way to fast track it. Um, 
listen, this is a, a, a high level mastermind. It will cost you several thousand dollars to be a part of it, but that's because we do a ton. We have three uh, mastermind events in person. We have three workshops. We're meeting on a weekly basis. Um, Ellis at kingdomcapitalist.co. Shoot me an email. Let's jump on a call together. Grateful for you. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Hey, real estate investors. I hope this show has given you permission to go out into the world and crush it in the name of Jesus. If you want to learn more about our community and locking arms and joining forces with other like-minded investors like yourself, go to thekingdomrei.com to learn more about our mastermind and send an application. We'll see you next week.